What's up, everybody? It's Chad from Ask Chad Grassy Logic. I'm here today with actually my father, Dave Lozano, um, and I'll let, you, let him introduce himself in a second. We're here today, and today's actually an even more special episode, something that's close to my heart. Uh, we're going to be talking about veterans in cannabis today. Um, I'm a veteran myself. Obviously, I got the, the newer Army PT shirt on. I didn't wear the one that when I joined because I feel old. My dad, uh, he was in the Air Force, but um, I'll let my dad actually introduce himself and everything. And uh, Go ahead, Dad. Hello. Uh, as, you, as you know, I'm, I'm Chad's dad. I'm Dave. My name is Dave Lozano. Um, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm an Air Force veteran. I served for nine years, seven months. Uh, if you want to go down nine hours and 17 minutes? <laughs> That's I always tell. I was kind of get to laugh on that. So uh, basically, my main job was I worked for a mobility support squadron out there at Holloman Air Force Base called Bear Base. I was actually a liaison uh, to US CENTAF, which is uh, also housed prepositioned assets, which means that these assets were to help uh, set up a base anywhere else in the world. And so uh, prior to Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm, uh, we had aggregated equipment out there preparing for something like this. Uh, and so in August of, of obviously 1990, um, I, I was on leave when I got a phone call and said that I need to get back home to Almogordo, but uh, because there was something going down. And obviously we know is that uh, Saddam Hussein had invaded Iraq, I mean, excuse me, Kuwait. So uh, it kicked off what we called Operation Desert Shield. And Holloman played a very intricate part of, of this task that was to uh, send equipment over to the Middle East. And specifically, we were sending all over uh, in Saudi Arabia, uh, uh, Dharan, all those areas there. Um, I also served a little bit during this time period. I was sent to the port of Los Angeles. I was only supposed to be there for about four days. And about a month and a half later, I, I returned back. And uh, at the port of Los Angeles, we were tasked to um, get this equipment onto ships. And so we worked with all the intricates of the armed services, you know, the Army, um, the Marine Corps, Navy. And this is where I got introduced to uh, some of the the what the dealings of other service members go through, such as the army, you know, roll call and all this. And so, you know, we, we Air Force are, are, I always say we are the wise ones. You know, we work smarter, not harder. And that's one thing I've learned uh, over the years, especially when Chad was in the army. And so um, I also, after I got out of the Air Force, I went back and I received my degree from New Mexico State. Uh, as an educator, I taught for 23 and, and a half years at, uh, in Almogordo as a middle school teacher. Um, I also took some administration courses for administration uh, and subbed in as a, a principal in, in Mountain View. And I was also involved in sports. Um, I was a baseball coach at Almogordo. I coached uh, numerous uh, middle school sports, you know, from volleyball. Believe it or not, I subbed in a cheerleader. I didn't even know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but as a, as that, I, I was, um, you know, so I did, I was a jack of all trades there, and I was also heavily involved in with working with students, and so um, I I thoroughly enjoyed uh, being an educator and stuff. So uh, that's pretty much about myself. I've been married. My wife, you can ask my wife how long we've been married. She can't tell you, but 
you know, we've been married for coming up on 37 years and we have four children. Um, and Emily was our oldest. There's Jared, there's Chad, obviously, and our daughter, Amber. And then we have four grandchildren. So which are, we are ecstatic about those, those grandchildren because they're, they're, they're the light of our lives almost. You know, they, they lighten up our day. So uh, that's pretty much about, that's about myself. I'm from Colorado originally. And again, I'm, I'm a transplant. Uh, Unwilling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> called the land of entrapment. So, but obviously, if I didn't like it, I wouldn't be here. So. Yeah. Yeah, uh, over what? How, how many years now, Dad? Have you been here? Gosh, it's nine. I, I came here in 1983, July of 1983. I can remember that day in '83 where it was July 3rd, and the day before Fourth July. And I pulled up into Holman Air Force Base, and all I saw was nothing but tan, desert tan and rock, and about 105 <laughs> degrees, <and> scorching <laughs> hot. And obviously, come from Colorado, and I tears came down my eyes. So, but like I said, if, if I didn't like it here. In Alamogordo, I you know I wouldn't have remained in there, and we raised our kids there. We, my wife was an educator also, so your mom was an educator, just along like I was, and we were heavily involved with our children, uh, Chad and Amber and 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 Emily, and so we were heavily involved with with uh, their education and getting them involved in sports and everything. So, but that's pretty much about myself and so nice well i appreciate it dad thanks for the rundown i mean some of that stuff i actually didn't know um you know throughout the years you know it gets either watered down or you know when you're a kid you ask so many questions they just kind of answer you um and i was also about three four years old when he did deploy so some of the memories i do have are very vague um i just remember him leaving him being gone us doing a video for him on vhs and you know uh, <laughs> me being honorary the whole time uh, and then I remember, uh, I think we wrote a couple of letters and you wrote us a couple of letters who would call. And then I do remember going to El Paso to pick them up. That's about all I remember. My sister was maybe a few months old. I, I think she was, uh, yeah, she was young. And when, when I returned back from, from being deployed, she didn't recognize me. Yeah. And so, and that, this is before time of the internet, obviously. And, and, you know, so we were, we mailed letters home and we got to make phone calls uh, we'd have uh, phone calls patched through White Sands or to Holland Air Force Base, and I was able to call downtown and talk to my wife. I did the uh, same thing. There was no, uh, when you can get on there and see your loved ones. Yeah. You know, it was everything through mail and everything. So um, it was, it was an enlightening experience. Um, you know, I don't regret it. If, if someone asked me, if would you do it again over, I definitely would, you know, and I am very, proud of my service and I'm very proud of my children's service here. And I'll talk a little bit about that here in a second here. So I have a question I just thought about dad. So how has it changed when it comes, even dealing with the VA now, when it comes to even knowing about like PTSD and everything? Cause back then, I mean, they were pretty much, it was like non-existent, right? Yeah. We are, you know, the VA has changed substantially over the years. Um, you know, when you serve and you're young and you get out at the time, I think I was, I don't know, 30, 30 years old. And, you know, I was young and dumb and I thought I was okay. You know, you didn't realize that uh, situations were going to come up as far as uh, medically would come up later on in your life that you would need to be a healthcare system. And it wasn't until 2014 when I actually filed for uh, some disability 
um, I registered for the registry, the, the call for registry. Um, and at the time it was kind of new to what they have now. And like I've told you, the VA has done a, an awesome job to me, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm a member out of the VA at El Paso and, you know, the services have gotten, uh, you know, tremendously a lot better than they were, you know, some years ago. And um, people getting out of the military now transition, that is one of their, their, you know, boxes they have to check. They have to go ahead and, and go through the process of, of uh, filing for disabilities, even though there, there might not be any. It's always nice. So th they've done a good job. The militaries have done a good job from transitioning uh, military into the civilian life and, and supporting them through the VA. So, um, you know, my hat's off. It's been it, from 2014 to now, it's been a 100% uh, turnaround, I think, you know, and, and that's in my opinion. But there's some people who, who uh, would say, you know, they, maybe not. Me. Yeah. <laughs> um, a little about that, you know. I'm, one day I, you know, talking about my son, you know, the son came back and obviously he's, he's a veteran of the Iraq war. Uh, one day I just took him down to the uh, VA and told him he needed help and we got him some help and they were very, I tell you what, they were on it and they were able to give him the services that he needed uh, and severances that he needed to, to take care of him. And, and so far, you know, it's a, it's, it's an ongoing process uh, with the VA and it's a, it's just um, an educational something you have to really get involved with. Um, I noticed there are a lot of uh, older Vietnam. I work with uh, at a pantry, a local pantry in El Gordo, and uh, most of them are, are Vietnam veterans. They're older. I'm one of the youngest ones there, <laughs> and, and they ask me a lot of questions. And they have so many questions they ask me uh, about you, Chad, and, and about some of the things you do and some of the advocate you know groups you have been involved in. And you know. They ask about the cannabis use, you yeah. know, from gummies to ointments. And so, you know, there's always questions about this and, you know, and you ask your son this question and that question. And, you know, I'll get on the phone and I'll call you. Yeah. And, and, you know, we'll be on the phone talking to them about, them, uh, about the, the cannabis industry and the cannabis usage. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I do. I, I remember, you know, I, all the time he'll call me with questions and stuff and I have no problem, you know, de um, dealing with vets. But what I didn't want to say is, yeah, guys, you know, I am a vet. I do deal with PTSD. I've been pretty vocal about that. Um, you know, my video online persona, you know, obviously doesn't match when I'm, you know, having a PTSD breakdown or something wrong. So he did have to take me to the VA um, so I could get help because back then it was it was really bad. Um, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a long process. I'm nowhere near who I was before I went to Iraq. Um, but it's significantly better than what it was once before. Um, the VA has helped a little bit, um, but cannabis and other things that I do in my life have probably helped me significantly even more. And then that's why I'm here. And I, I want to share with you guys that, you know, it is possible to use cannabis and be more active. Um, and this whole podcast actually exists because of this man. Um, and the fact that, you know, I, I had lost a sister and, you know, I guess before we, we move on, dad, did you want to talk about M for a little bit? Yeah, this is kind of one of the, the harder, I guess, to talk about. So let me give you a little breakdown. In, in, uh, in 2006, our daughter, Emily, uh, which is Chad's oldest sister, uh, received a medical discharge from the army. Um, she was a veteran of Kosovo. She served a tour in Kosovo. Uh, there she had some 
some traumatic experiences. Uh, she was sexually harassed by her her uh, her superiors. Yeah, superiors. And you know, she would go to upper ranks, and she wasn't getting any kind of assistance. And and when she did finally get assistance, she actually went to a priest there in Kosovo who helped her out. And then all they did to her superior was move them to a different unit and then transfer her to what they call the mail room. Yeah. And there, that's where she received her injury, a uh, back injury. Um, she was helping unloading a, a truck and one of the soldiers threw a, a heavy mailbag onto her down from below and she injured her back. And so she was discharged honorably, you know, medically uh, from the army. She was, she was the last person in the world I thought would ever join the army. Yeah, me too. I mean, she did like six years. Yeah, she yeah, did she, six years. Yeah, she, she, joined did, in she did more than I did. Yeah. She, <laughs> she did, loved she, the army. She, she, yeah, she loved the army. Yeah, but she loved it. The experience in Kosovo uh, really had enlightened her about the experience of being a female in the armed services. And today, you know, more and more you'll see more females are, are coming out and talking about their experiences as far as being sexually relaxed. Uh, sexually harassed, even sexually assaulted. Um, and our daughter is, was one of those, she wasn't sexually assaulted, but she was actually harassed and she received her her uh, injury in the VA from there. And then she was discharged. She did get some uh, veterans uh, services. So she was uh, actually 70% disabled veteran. Um, so a uh, big long story short, um, you know, her physical scars and her uh, mental scarring led to her emotional distress for her. And so um, this is the most difficult part I want to talk about. In 2010, in July, actually July 8, 2010, I received one of the, we received one of the hardest phone calls that we ever received. Um, we were out of town uh, with some good friends of ours. And I got a phone call and it was from my son-in-law's um, father. And um, I was talking to him, and as I walked away from where I was at, my wife was coming towards me. She could see the look on my face, and you know, that time right now, my wife was uh, approaching me, and she saw that look on my face, and she knew something had happened. And uh, I can still see that the devastating um, look on her face, and I remember falling to her knees. Um, you know, the lifeness just kind of came out of her body. And so, you know, that vision still is implanted in my head. And I knew being part of the military, I had to kind of get my composure and um, gather myself and prepare for what, you know, no, no parent wants to go through. And that is to, you know, tell your my children that their sister had passed away and so um as we're driving we, we were in actual uh roswell we were driving back you know we're making phone calls and and uh <clears throat> you know we haven't told our children yet and things were being placed on facebook and this is one thing about social media uh the the experience of her death was being placed on facebook my children hadn't known yet um, we were trying to, again, get home. And by the time we received, we arrived home, uh, there were people already at, already at, were already at our door and had known about her death. And so um, 
you know, that was that was the most 10 excruciating days, pains in my life, the longest days of our lives that we had prepared was to prepare for our daughter's funeral. And uh, I still can remember our youngest daughter, Chad, was actually uh, deployed. Oh, actually, he had come back from Iraq, and he was in station in, in Hawaii. Our son, Jared, was in Arizona, and our daughter was in Albuquerque. And uh, when she came home that night, we kind of lay in the same bed and kind of tossed and turned and just trying to, to come to realization that our daughter was no longer going to be with us. And so in those 10 days, preparing for her funeral, uh, trying to get her from Georgia into back to Alamogordo, that was an arduous process also. And, uh, you know, calling family members and, and, you know, one of the questions that, most people ask, you know, how does she die? And that's, that comes to the point where, you know, after that experience of, after her funeral, about two months later, we, we finally received the autopsy results. And, and we kind of had a speculation of, of possibility that she might have died of. And uh, the autopsy results revealed that she had died of an accidental overdose of prescription drugs. Now, after she, after our daughter Emily had gotten out of the army, she met her husband, and of course, being in the army, they, she went from station to day station, and she would visit other VA facilities. You know, she went to Albuquerque, she was in uh, Arizona, she went to, uh, she went to, um, what was it? Uh, I can't remember. She went to three other bases, and so she was pretty much prescription shopping. And that back in those days, the VA was an intricate amongst each other, so she was. Not only going through the VA, she was also going through private, and she was, you know, she was hooked on prescription drugs. Um, she was uh, diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder, fibromyalgia. She had severe back pain. She would talk about the shots she would receive um, in her back just to get some relief, um, and so she had many, many uh, problems medically and and. And emotionally and and so you know it took a toll on her life and one day she just took too much of medicine and she had spoken to my youngest daughter Emily Amber that day and said hey my my prescriptions came in and I need to catch up and I think that's when we you know we when we found out she died about 1 30 that afternoon um, and uh, she just took you know an overdose of prescription drugs. Um, so today, many families like ours are, are left with the memories of the loved ones um, whose death could have been prevented, I believe could have been prevented by the VA and our government, uh, should they have been to be with her medically, uh, for her medical care. And today, uh, many families like ours are left with only memories of our loved ones. And uh, of loved ones whose death uh, could be perhaps been prevented, I believe, by the VA and the government, um, if they would have been more zealous in her her care and, and their care also. Um, and there's not one day that goes by that we don't think about our daughter and and what life she would have, you know, led as a beautiful daughter. Her her laughter, we always talk about that. Her laughter was just enlightening and she was always lighting up the room. Um, and so, um, as my son has shared, there are many people throughout this 
throughout the years, he has come and he has become her voice in the, in the cannabis industry and has researched and become an advocate in the use of cannabis um, as an alternative medicine. And so um, when he came back in 2012, he said, Dad, can I plant a few uh, plants <laughs> in your yard? And of course, he had to get you know get permission from us. So I went to a a uh, mentor of mine, and I asked him. I said, um, and I talked to him about this. Chad was going to appear on a on a I read a um, news station out of El Paso, and he you know was going to talk about the cannabis use. And so he gave me some good advice. You know, he said, you know, be careful being in the education industry. You know, there are strict you know, rules that we have to follow. And one of them is cannabis. And, and as you know, cannabis is listed as a schedule one drug. And so the misconception of cannabis amongst all, you know, older people in a lot of society believe that, you know, cannabis is this wicked drug. And so, but one thing he told me, he says, he's your son and you need to support him because he's on a mission. And so, um, so today, here we are today, and, and that mission has not stopped for Chad. And he has become an advocate, and he is well known throughout the state of New Mexico. Uh, I've been to several uh, events. Um, in fact, when when our for, our previous our former governor was running, he was one of the the people that was picked out out of all the people at this one uh, conference that we were in that she talked to him about cannabis industry and, and obviously she's become a proponent of, of you know recreational mar marijuana and so as Chad probably has told you too you know New Mexico is one of the leading states in, uh, throughout the nation um, in, in medical cannabis and so um, like I said I'm, I'm proud of my son he's he's a he's a veteran of the army um, we're all proud you know, we, we served our country honorably, and it's time that the uh, I think the government steps up and helps us veterans with with some of our disorders. Um, you know, I didn't realize that I was suffering through PTSD, and it wasn't probably a few years after my daughter's death that I was suffering through uh, some depression, and you know, I almost took my life. And so, thinking that day. You know, I, things changed. And so, like I said, through education, through reading, and through my son, um, you know, I'm, I'm a cannabis user. Um, I don't smoke as much, but I, I like edibles. Edibles are seem to, to be a little easier on me, and, and uh, they really help with sleep, uh, help with depression, anxiety. Um, so and and I like to I make some ointments out of out of cannabis, which help with pain, and I believe they do help with pain. And you know, I don't sell it; I give it away. You know, so I make it and I give it away, and it seems to have helped many many veterans out there, especially the older veterans, you know, Vietnam veterans, and, and that persona of, of of cannabis or marijuana, you know, is is kind of going away a little bit especially with the older group so um so that's pretty much as far as what how i've become involved with cannabis and like i said it was a little skeptical at first 
when Chad came to me and, and so we've learned, I've grown. And so, you know, and, and here we are today. Um, 11 years later. Yeah. <laughs> years later. And you know, what's exciting is that um, we, you can talk about, there was a, there was a bipartisan bill that was passed in the Senate. Um, as far as it's called a bipartisan bill to explore medical cannabis as an alternative treatment for veterans. Um, and it was sponsored by John Tester, um, Senator. And I can't remember who else the, the other Senator was here. The co-sponsor? The co-sponsor, yeah, it was John Tester of, of, of Montana. We have it on the screen, actually. Yeah, and um, Dan Sullivan of Alaska who introduced this legislation. And uh, basically what it sums up to is, and if you can look at this website, you can go take a look at it, is that the, the VA needs to um, re do more research in the cannabis, you know, and um, and give give more answers out there and to get rid of this negative persona of, of cannabis use in, in the cannabis industry. Um, so, you know, in doing some of my my vigilance and, and working with this, you know, I've, I've stumbled over many, many um, websites out there. Um, out there and so if you have a time take a look at this this bipartisan bill and hopefully it's it's going to push the department of veterans affairs in the right direction and um and chad, chad will let you know that uh currently the va has a hands-off view of, of cannabis however um and i'll let chad discuss a little bit more about it um they they are kind of pushing for veterans who have used cannabis to um, go ahead and and tell their providers about the use of cannabis. Um, I'm still kind of skeptical about telling my provider because you know one thing that many veterans believe is that they'll lose their benefits. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, and, and in the case the veterans had, the veteran the Department of Veteran Affairs have come out and said no, that's. That's we're not you. You will not lose your benefits. And that's actually on the, the official VA website. You guys can go look it up. I have a list right here. What the VA said, yes and no's, whatever you know. Yes, you can talk to it about your provider. However, your provider can't you know prescribe it for you or recommend it here in New Mexico. It's not a prescription. It's actually a recommendation from your doctor. Um, they're not allowed to do that um, yet because they're essentially a federal doctor. Uh, until something changes on the federal level, then that's not going to change. However, they are suggesting that yeah talk to your you know your provider your doctor about it they can't say yeah i'm gonna you know suggest you use this or you know you use this card but they can say well you know maybe you know step back a bit use a little bit more or maybe try something different so they are able to discuss your cannabis use with you they just can't tell you um i'm gonna give you the card you know they, they can't prescribe it uh, essentially is, is what it is talk about it all they want um Another thing that, you know, you really want to keep in mind is that if you are going to the VA, don't try to spark up in the middle of the, <laughs> yeah. of the parking lot, guys. It's a federal facility. Um, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, I, I really want to make sure that veterans know if you are going to start using cannabis or you are a cannabis user, just because the VA is having a hands-off approach doesn't mean that you can smoke in the parking lot or anywhere near the facility. As a federal building, they have federal police officers on site. You will get a federal charge. So just to help you guys out. You know, and I don't want any misconceptions or anything to think that, you know, well, the Ash Chad guy said that we could smoke over here. No, I just said they're having a hands-off approach. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, things are changing with this uh, bill that was introduced in, you know, legislature and the federal government. 
um, that could change a lot for veterans and every and on the a huge scale. You know, um, that could possibly lead for us to be able to use cannabis while in the military once federal legalization ever happens. That could make it quicker because the military will probably be a little slow when it comes to allowing that, you know, to the active duty members and everything. And and I know and in, in, I know in 2012, I believe it was uh, under President Obama, you know, he had signed an executive order to to try to some kind of decriminalize some of this stuff, you know, kind of ease up on on those who who get caught with marijuana, you know, yeah. and, and who are being detained and eventually imprisoned. You know, it kind of he was kind of easing up on that, and so he did sign the executive order to to you know going one step further. And and of course, you know, through presidency they change, and, and all that. I'm not going to get into politics, and hopefully we're back into where the government's going to step back in and say one of these days we're going to decriminalize marijuana. And I don't know how many states. I know there are several, New Mexico being one of them, that uh, marijuana is decriminalized. You know, and so. Um, Currently, right now, there are, there are approximately 37 states, I believe, right, Chad? That, yeah. That um, allow some type of medical cannabis usage. Um, and, uh, 37, 38, one of the two. Yeah. And so about 83% of United States veterans today support um, medical cannabis programs. But again, like Chad said, and, and ever said, 0% of the VA facilities provide medical cannabis uh, for them. So they cannot prescribe it. They cannot... Uh, distributed or whatever so you know um there and, and another thing i i have come across there are various cannabis veterans uh organizations who support cannabis research to help veterans dealing with various health concerns can you name some of them yeah uh the two top ones that that you probably all we all know of course number one being the american legion who's supported i know in 2017 they during their their Annual, annual conference they've you know proposed legislation to go ahead and research cannabis and then uh the veterans of foreign war have also uh, proposed you know has supported research into cannabis and supporting uh, a holistic approach yeah um other organizations uh that, that are out there and there you can there's there's several of them i'll just list a few of them uh, and i'm not endorsing these i'm just you know go out there and, and do some research uh, one's called the uh, Veterans Alliance for Holistic Alternatives. Uh, there's another one, and I like this one in particular. It's called the Veterans Cannabis Project. Uh, the Weed for Warriors, Veterans Cannabis Coalition, Veterans Cannabis Group, Operation 1620. I actually know those guys, so they're really good dudes. If you guys you know, hit them up, they have a good Facebook group. I know a lot of the guys in the main, um, main group and everything, so if you guys want to give them a follow, you know, I, just, I know them personally. That's why you know, I'm, I'm saying this, so yeah um operation 1620 good guys i even game with them sometimes so yeah give them a follow and everything and you know really good dudes and you know they'll reach out if you just need someone to talk to even yeah the, and there's the, the one of the last ones called the veterans talk and what i always used to tell my students when you go into research is when you find a website go down to the very bottom and find out when their website was updated mm -hmm. uh, how often did they publish can you get a hold of them um you know a lot of these organizations are out there for the Almighty dollar, you know, yeah. and there are some legit uh, organizations out there, and and uh, so we're hoping that with with you know education out there that the cannabis industry will enlighten everybody and especially help veterans out there uh, holistically, yeah, you know, for their pains and everything. Um, and I was talking to Chad about 
the report that that uh, I, I come across, and it's called, and it'll, I don't know if you can show it on the screen. It's called yeah, we can pull it up. Uh, the National Veterans Suicide Prevention Annual Report. And this was uh, published in two, September of 2022. And there are some key findings from this report that, that, uh, that I found interesting, and I'll just kind of bring up a few of them. Um, from this report, and it's a, I believe it's a 43-page document, and you know it's very interesting to come and find out some of the numbers that are some of the findings that I found. And I'll just give you one: in 2020, there were 6,146 uh, veteran suicides, and this is on average 16.8 uh, per day. And in 2020, there were 343 fewer veteran suicides in 2019. So hopefully with the, the Veterans Administration being more proactive in suicide preventions, uh, making it more uh, readily um, helping veterans out available and, and publishing suicides and to get rid of that persona, you know, we're, because we serve our country, you know, we're, we got this machos, um, you know, attitude about ourselves and, you know, but we do have we do have um, some issues out there. And a lot of those issues is one is PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome. And a lot of veterans don't believe that they have post uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress. But you know, serving in the middle, you know, serving in the military, regardless if you served in the combat zone or regardless if you served in, you know, like I served in and obviously with the Air Force and I was it was a non-combat zone, but we were still away from our families and we still had to support, you know, our nation, support, you know, other services and, and, you know, being away from family members and some of the things that we, we did experience out there, um, you know, it takes a toll on your, on your, on your life. And eventually as you get older, as I'm finding out, uh, you know, more and more, you know, your, your body's not friendly to yourself, you know, <laughs> you know you're not 21 anymore. Yeah. I'm learning that too. <laughs> so, um, other statistics out there from 2018 to 2020, AIDS and sex, uh, age and sex adjustment suicide rates from veterans fell, you know, 9.7. That's a big uh, jump. That's yeah. beautiful. This is a larger percentage increase uh, than observed in non-veterans, um, United States veteran adults. Um, but as you know, too, our our veterans numbers are decreasing because, you know, every day there's, you know, deaths amongst old, you know, our World War II veterans are obviously are the oldest and daily those, those World War II veterans are, are, you know, uh, are no longer with us. And then of course you have, you know, your Korean war veterans and, and the most and forgotten veterans are your Vietnam veterans. Yeah. And there's actually a, from my time at, you know, the VFW, I've learned that there's such a big gap between, us and the, the Gulf War guys, like you myself, that you know it's creating a huge gap within the VFWs and you know American Legions and stuff, and so it also creates like a big uh, gap because you know older veterans are kind of not want to say like parents of us younger veterans, but they take us under their wing, and you know if you don't have that, we don't know what direction to go. We don't have their experiences and stuff to really fall back on, and so that's being lost too. And you know it's going to make us feel more lost because we don't feel like we have. Uh, the elders to really look up to, you know, like we always have. And, and I can remember coming home from, you know, serving, coming home, coming off the airplane, we arrived in the United States. Uh, we actually had a, a parade. People, 
were we were coming off the terminal coming into Philadelphia, and I can remember them, you know, giving us beers and hot dogs, <laughs> and and just we felt this this well this warm welcome that, and, and I believe society and at that time they were trying to make up for the Vietnam veterans, and yeah. you know, it's kind of was like an apology to the Vietnam veterans, and 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 you know, the our Vietnam veterans were not. Um, seen as as heroes you know yeah. they were seen as different you know, these mongrels and 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 uh, mongers excuse me not mongrels mongers and so they didn't get their they didn't get their service you know their just service that they they deserved um a lot of those guys were you know were conscripts you know they were they were drafted you know yeah and, and yeah. so that wasn't like the iraqi war where you know majority of us including myself joined willingly uh yeah. you know I have a, a very good friend who served in, you know, he was in the Navy, but he was actually in country in, in Vietnam. And he, um, you know, lately he just been talking about his experience over there and what he's experienced and, you know, what he saw over there. And, you know, it's taken a profound impact and it's, and it's taken him almost 30 years to get his diligence as far as getting his benefits from the veterans. And today he's, you know, 100% disabled. He gets his veterans care. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of go back with him and, and look at him and he's kind of been a, a mentor to me too. Also in fighting the VA, uh, to get our, to get our benefits, Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, it, it, it's taken many that I have, I've, I've sat, sit at the VA and I hear all these stories, especially the older veterans who, who, you know, it's taken them years to get the benefits. And then. You know what's ironically now? If you go to a, a dispensary, you look outside the dispensary. It's not the younger group anymore. It's the older group yeah. who, are, who are coming out of there. It's the professionals who are coming out of there. You know, and and they're realizing that the cannabis is helping them. Yeah, because you, know? you you had your card for while you were a teacher, right? And you just mm -hmm. kind of float. I mean, there was a lot of teachers who did that. We actually there's a story. When uh, we were at the dispensary in Alamogordo, you saw one of the administrators, and you kind of like sunk into your seat, and that was pretty funny. Until so I told you, I was like, "Tat, he's here too." <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, that was funny because I was like, "Oh my, you know, there's there's one of my bosses there." And my son goes, "What are you squirming about? He's there with you." Yeah, he has a bag. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, like I said, I I we just I'm here today, and I'm very passionate about about uh, helping veterans um and so you know our suicide rate among veterans is, is horrendous uh it is and you know firearms is one of the um it says right here in 2020 firearms were the most commonly involved among veterans at 71 percent so many of veterans use firearms and then it goes on and gives you different statistics and you can go look at this report and it kind of goes on and on and gives you some some you know staggering increases. Then the last one I want to bring up here is um, suicide rates among age groups from 2001 to 2020. Uh, the unadjusted suicide rate among veterans between the ages 18 to 20, uh, 34 increased by 95.3 percent. For those age 35 to 54, the rate increased by 12.9 percent. Uh, for those age uh, 55 to 74, the rate increased 58.2 percent. And then those 75 and above, that's 21.2%. So, you know, the, there are older veterans are still taking their lives, you know, and 
every day is a struggle. Yeah. Um, you know, there's times I, I don't want to get out of bed. Yeah. You know, there's times I just want to go upstairs and just lay down and take a nap, you yeah. know, and it's just one of those things that, and it's harder to, to, um, talk to, you know, your, your wife about it or, you know, talk to about it. I know it's that my son and I get into some conversations, but we don't get into, you know, these deep art conversations because that's something that, you know, we have to learn to open up, you know, with amongst each other. And the more we talk to one another as veterans and the more we are can enlighten one another um, to get involved and to look at other holistic approaches, whether it's cannabis or whether it's something else, whether it's through exercise, whether it's yoga or, or whatever, you know, we need to be aware of, of our suicide rates among veterans. And so, you know, we have to be proactive in this event. And so, um, you know, one of the, I, I am so happy to, and I tell everybody, I, any veteran I met, you know, when they say, I serve, the first thing I ask them, have you filed for your veteran benefits? And this, well, no, I didn't serve in a, in a, in a comp, you know, combat zone or, I served in what they call a Cold War. You know, a veteran is a veteran. I don't care if you serve. You know, I had a brother who was a veteran during the uh, Cold War, did not see any service, you know, and but he's a veteran. You know, same thing with my brother-in-law. I was a Vietnam veteran, but he didn't see any action, but he's still a veteran. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that our, the students, you know, I would ask, what does a veteran look like? And, you know, they try to tie this old guy, you know, <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> and I used to tell him that, you know, a veteran is, is someone who served the country honorably. And, and so, you know, that's why uh, I'm passionate about this. Um, so with the new legislation that was signed in August and, and, put, uh, and it was called the PAC Act, you know, it's, if you go to va.gov and, and look at PAC, PACT, PAC Act. Uh, it's encouraging veterans to to get their due diligence as far as their VA care, the VA health care. Um, you know, I was exposed to some some toxins out there when I served over there. We were an aggregation site, which we handled uh, assets from all over country. Mm -hmm. You know, from the area of the Middle East, and there was times when when we we're handling stuff just with a pair of gloves, you know, and because of, of the temperature out there, we didn't have no flag vests or nothing. We just had our, you know, T-shirts and our, and, and our uh, pants. But we were handling stuff from all over the country that had soot on it. Yeah. We didn't know what it was. Um, we our, our squadron our, um, was right by the end of a, a runway. And one day um, we were out there working and we hear this boom and we see uh, an airplane explode and right there in front of our eyes, you know, the pilot comes down and we all rush to help him out. And, um, you know, we got him away from, you know, the wind was pushing him into, um, the burning. Oh, really? Plane. Yeah. And so we were exposed to jet fuel. Uh, some of the other things that we were exposed to was coast dust. You know, the, the, there were, if you ever been through a snowstorm, <laughs> Yeah, dust storms are just as bad as snowstorms. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know the the mites that would bite you, and then of course we were spraying beets on us. And um, you know when we left at a, 
the day before we left, they injected us with, I can't even remember. I, you know, they, they didn't even put it on our yeah. car. Yeah. You know, they gave us shots and said, you know, on your way. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, we were exposed to uh, different toxins, I believe. Um, burn pits are, are one of them. Um, and so that's a, today that is, that's a big focus that the VA is now with the PAC Act coming out, uh, being signed into legislation and, and being supportive now in a, you know, I'm saying if you're a veteran and you served your country, and especially if you served in these areas that that you were exposed to some type of toxic chemicals or, or burn pits or, you know, fuels or you were exposed to asbestos or, you know, there's there's all these these um, these diseases out there now and, and the exposures that the VA has has um, kind of recognized now. It's yeah. taken us 30 years to, to come out and say, okay, well, you know, maybe you were exposed to some toxins. Yeah. Maybe you weren't, you know? And so um, please, if you're a veteran, you know, get onto the VA.gov. And even if you think you don't qualify, all they can tell you is no. Yeah. That's all you can tell you is no. And, you know, I'm a very proponent. I will tell you anybody. I will try to help you in any way. Uh, you know, with the help of uh, VSO service officers, veteran service officers out there, you know, we can hopefully help these veterans out there to to help them with their care. And I tell the, this is one thing I tell the veterans: if it's not about you, it's about your family. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about your wife. Um, you know, when you die, and if you die of some of your service connected uh, some service connected uh, ailments, then your wife can still receive some type of Benefits. And your kids, and your yeah. kids as well. You know? Especially that too, you know. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't really, really think about. And actually, I was speaking to a veteran just yesterday, and um, I didn't know he was a vet. And we were talking, and you know, I was telling him recently I received 100% disability rating, um, so I am 100% disabled now through the VA. And uh, I was telling him about it, and he was like, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with me." Blah blah blah. Well, come to find out, he got blown up three times in Iraq, and I was like, there, "There's nothing right with you, buddy." I hate to tell you that. And, you know, he told me that, you know, for him to sleep, he has to get really drunk and, you know, that, that's not cool. And so, you know, he has a really good job right now. However, you know, the benefits that he could be receiving and that his family will get if something were to happen would, you know, probably cover more than that. And, of course, when you're 100% disabled, you can still work. You know, I can still work and everything and, and still get a job. So it's not I'm capped at that. That would also help him in the long run with anything else. And so don't try to just think that you guys, we just have too much pride. You know, there's so much pride with being a veteran, you know, we're this and that, you know, we're seen as these, you know, knights in shining armor, you know, we're going to go stab the enemy with the spear and whatever, but you know, we're human. And, you know, at the end of the day, when all the dust settles and clears and everybody goes home, you know, you're left with yourself and your thoughts. And that's when the real issues start to occur. And sometimes we're not aware of what these issues are, what we're feeling or what it is. But sometimes it takes a battle buddy or, you know, that's what we call them in the army <clears throat> or you guys call them wingmen. Um, <laughs> um, it takes a battle buddy or a wingman to, you know, really tell you, hey, something's wrong with you. You're fucked up and, you know, something needs to happen. You need to fix this. And that happened to me with my dad. And yeah, we can cuss on this podcast. Um, and so <laughs> his mom's looking over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's been trying to chime in the whole time. I'm trying to tell her to be quiet. Um, and so. It's, it's one of those things where you just got to swallow your pride and do it. You know, I had to do the same thing. I still have to do it to this day. There's times where I have to swallow my pride and, you know, just do it. 
Um, it's something that isn't going to go away. It's something that isn't going to change. But if you let it sit there and it get worse, it gets worse. Now, I've been having issues with the VA. Like he was talk talking earlier, you know, I'm one of the ones that, you know, like, fuck the VA. Well, the reason why is because I've been having such a hard time getting mental help with them. Um, either they cancel on me or they send me to someone who just doesn't like cannabis or something. And, you know, I just run into a lot of issues. Um, the, one of the last times I went, I got told suck it up buttercup when I was just trying to figure out what's going on with me mentally. Um, so that doesn't really help. You know, you got providers like that at the VA. Um, now I've ran into some really good providers. However, the good ones don't really outnumber the bad ones that are still there that have the old mindset of why are you here? What do you want from us? Um, and I hope that changes with the PAC Act. Well, yeah, with the PAC Act, you know, it, and there's no cure for, for PTSD. No, you know, some think that uh, you can go through counseling. We're going to give, you know, I'm on prescription education. So I take a um, couple of meds that help me with my moods. Um, I try to, you know, based on one of my uh, medical uh, therapists, try to get off one of them that it's, it's, you know, it's not helping. There's other things, you know, sleep is, is probably the, the devil of all devils is, is, you know, sleep deprivation. Yeah, you know, there's times where you just can't sleep. Yeah, and, and this doesn't happen to veterans. This happens to everybody. But you know, there's times where I'll be laying in bed and things come to my head, and this is where I've get gotten on on YouTube, and you can YouTube anything. And there's people out there that are trying to help veterans daily, and give you. And I get emails constantly every day about these new, you know, what's happening to the VA. This is what they're trying to do, and and um. You know, as you know, this year, 2023, we we received one of the highest increases in in uh, VA healthcare as far as um, money wise than we've had ever in the pensions. Yeah, over a 12 percent increase. Yeah, and that's based off the Social Security Administration's, uh, you know, what they call COLA, yeah, you know, cost of living allowances, and so the veterans have piggybacked on that one, and we're hoping that, you know, with What's all going on in our country is that we're not going to lose. We're not going to, you know, take a step forward and then take three steps back. Yeah. And so, you know, we're we're hoping and keeping our our fingers crossed that our uh, legislators legislators are going to listen to us. Yeah. You know? My advice is to speak to your legislators. Be get on one of these advocacy groups and and put your name on 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 a petition. You know, talk, if you got a chance to talk to one of your representatives, talk to them. Yeah. And tell them, you know, what's going on. Tell them, you know, the, the worst thing is, thank you for your service. You know, and I, I appreciate people doing that one. You know, that's a nice gesture. But a lot of people think that that, thank you for your service, and, and that's good enough. Yeah. And then it's okay. And it's kind of awkward, to be honest. I really don't know how to respond to that. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's awkward, but you know what? And I thank him. And, and, but it's a, it's a reminder that we did serve our country honorably. Yeah. And so... You know, and I, I appreciate it. Thank you for your service. You're recognizing us. And um, I, I know as an educator, I was involved in veterans assemblies. And and uh, I was trying to educate our younger ones yeah. about a veteran and about our due diligence. And, and uh, you know, Veteran Day is one of yours and my day. We always go out. Here we go get the free food. Trust me, we go out there and we, we get our, our – due diligence when it comes to that and 
fact, I just used one of my coupons this weekend, you know, from, oh. from one of the restaurants. <laughs> Barely. Well, yeah, it didn't expire till April, but I used it and hey, it's it was there. They, you know, and I thank these restaurants and these organizations who do, uh, you know, give us due diligence and who who thank us for our service and by giving us something small. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's a one mil one time, you know, once, once a year. I mean, it's, it's a really small token, but it means a lot to us, you know? And then last time, last veterans day, it actually came by and gave me my dad a, a piece of um, a flag that I've been flown. And uh, mm. that caught me off guard and really uh, teared me up. And, you know, I was very emotional and I'm getting emotional thinking about it. So it's things like that, that we appreciate. And, um, you know, it's small things, you know. Um, and so, yeah, thank you to the, the businesses and everybody that does stuff like that. Um, it's not huge, but it makes a difference. Yeah. You know, it does make a difference. And um, for those of you who are on VA healthcare and you are being prescribed, you know, you know, listen to your providers. You know, I'm not here to say who I'm not a doctor. I'm, so I'm not giving you any medical advice. But, you know, if there's something else you might want to do and cannabis is one that you want to look into, Get involved in one of these advocacy groups. Get a hold of Chad. You know, I know Chad's happy to, to to contact, and I really appreciate this radio station for allowing Chad to um, publish his, his his things. You know, and and so it's one of those thank yous that we 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 need, and we need to hear more. And we need to get more people involved, and um, you know, and more importantly, we can't forget about our families. Yeah, you know. Our families are our backbone and our wives and our children. Um, you know, they serve too along with us. You know, they they were there along throughout the way. And yeah, mom had to deal with three <laughs> three um, different deployments. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she went through my deployment, she went to her family's deployment, my daughter and then Chad's deployment. So, you know, as a parent, you there's your kids are your kids, they're your they're your heart. And you hate to see any of your children suffer yeah. through anything. And of course, a death of our daughter has enlightened me. And, and, you know, it's a daily reminder that we need to help one another and to be, you know, a spokesperson for, for our veterans and, and for cannabis use. Uh, and like I said, I thank my son, Chad, for educating me and for, for helping us veterans. And hopefully he continues on and, and becomes, you know, our voice out there, and most importantly, he has been the voice of you know our daughter Emily, and you know that's that's something I'm very proud of him for for doing. And uh, you know, if you ever ever have any questions, you can you know I'm I'm on Facebook. You can send me a message or whatever. And, you know, I'm not a I'm not a TikToker or Instagrammer or any of that stuff. You know, but <laughs> but you know I will. You know, if you can get a hold of me, you know. I'll talk to you and help you out whatever you weigh. And definitely Chad, Chad's there to help out too. So, Yeah. And and before we move on to the, the very end of the show, I'm just going to go quickly with the rest of the stuff that I have. Um, what are some, maybe some tips, to, you know, for some veterans watching out there, you know, when it comes to like navigating this whole world with cannabis and, you know, being a veteran or even, you know, like with the whole guns thing, because there's no state law um, that bans you from having cannabis and a gun, you know, that everything else would be a federal law. So there's no state law on that. And there's a lot of veterans who fear stuff. So what are some tips that you could probably give some, some of the best steps? Well, some of the tips is, is get yourself educated, you know, look into, you know, it's going to take you some time, you know, you got to read a little bit and, and, 
you know, talk to other people. Just don't take one person's advice or, uh, you know, talk to many veterans and, and, you know, help one another. You know, mm -hmm. ed education is the most important uh, tool out there uh, in helping veterans, um, you know, through their experiences and through some of the dilemmas they're going through in their lives. And, and so, you know, be a proponent, you know, of, of veterans and, you know, look for other alternatives. Yeah. I mean, alcohol is pretty much all we had when we were in the military guys. And it's just a habit that some of us just continue on and including myself after I got out, you know, for a while, um, it's not healthy. It's nothing that we should do. And it's been seen as normal. You know, it's normal for me to hear many veterans say, I drink this much of Jack a night so I can go to sleep. I drink this amount of, amount of alcohol or this many beers so I can sleep at night. Um, that's not okay. It's not normal. Um, you're doing more damage to your body than anything. And I get it. You know, I, I dealt with that too. There was a point where I didn't want to go to sleep because I was afraid to. Um, but once I started using cannabis on along the side of other things that I do, exercise, counseling, et cetera, et cetera, um, things started to improve. Um, but you know, it's, it's, not a something that's gonna go away and you guys have to remember that too but drinking and this other stuff just isn't gonna help and i and i know that you know my alcohol consumption you know i'm a beer drinker obviously and um you know the my my consumption of, of alcohol has, has decreased over the years and you know sometimes smoking the joint taking a few tokes here and there or Taking a gummy, or you know, I I, I have some honey infused honey with cannabis. Mm -hmm. That's some amazing stuff. Yeah, uh, and and it definitely helps, especially with sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you're sleep deprived, your your mind is you're not you're not you're not well. Yeah. So so you know. But yeah, I appreciate you, Dad, showing up for the show to me. We'll just continue on and everything. But you know, um, I appreciate sharing some stuff that I actually didn't know. So. Some of the things that you know was shared today, um, my dad and myself were hearing for the first time, and um, this is a, an, was a, an emotional episode for us, pretty much all in the room. And um, it's just I wanted to, you guys to see, you know, um, the people who are in my life that you know really motivated me to do what I'm doing. And I want you guys to also see that there is help out there, um, there is alternatives, and you know there are people out there who care. You know, and you know you're, you're talking to one right now. And so you can reach out at, you know, my socials. I have it all over the place, you know, especially when it comes to vet. I hold you guys close to my heart because I am a vet. I know what we're going through. I know what you guys are dealing with. You know, I get it. So, you know, uh, what I what I wish people got was, you know, what we're going through, but that's never going to happen. Um, but I do. You can reach out to me. And if you have any questions on cannabis or whatever, you know, I'm, I'm more than willing to talk to you guys about it. You know, I, I help my, my battles all the time. You know, they come with me all kinds of questions. So. But that being said, get Daddy anything, you know, one more thing before we move on to the last things. Well, no, like I said, if, if you know, if they're willing to uh, let me share my my email with you, I, I I will share it with you. Yeah, yeah, we'll have Gino put it in the description if you don't mind after the show. And if if you have any questions, yeah, just email me and I'll get back with you and, and you know, we'll hopefully we can point you in the right direction. Like I said, I'm not a I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to give you any medical advice. I'm just going to give you some, you know, some information. The direction. And the direction that we can hopefully point you in the right direction to help you out in your just cause of, of being a veteran who is struggling through some emotional or physical pains out there. Yeah. You fuckers stop being stubborn. <laughs> stop being goddamn stubborn. 
Swallow your pride and go to the VA. You know, we've all had to do it. So just stop being fucking stubborn. All right. So moving on to the to the rest of the episode, guys. You know, like I said, that was it was a little long and it was a little uh, emotional. But when it comes to vets, it's just in my heart and everything. You know, my, my family comes from a long line of you know military members. You know, all the way back to uh, Civil War and probably even before. So um, I want to touch on a New Mexico legislative session actually ended. Um, however, no cannabis bills made it through except one, and it was uh, SB two four two. And what that does is it changes the cannabis cards, and it, what it does is it decreases it from three years to two years. However, pretty much what you have to do now, and if you've ordered contacts online, it's probably going to be a similar process. When you order contacts online, you have your prescription in front of you, you put all the information in, and then you put your doctor in there and your doctor information. Now that company calls the doctor to verify that is your prescription, and they have a file of it on you know in their server and everything, and the doctor confirms it. Now, this is kind of what it seems to me, because I actually just went and got my renewal the other day, and I was talking to the doctor about it, and we were kind of in agreement, and she was telling me that soon they're going to be kind of confirming what the process is going to be. So right now, I'm not even sure if this is going to be, but from what it sounds like, it'll be the card's good for the two years, and within that two years, you just have to contact the doctor to let them know, or you have to be seeing the doctor through the year, and the doctor contacts the DOH and lets them know that they've been seeing you through the year instead of going through the whole process again of trying to renew every year and try to do this whole doctor thing. So we lose a year on the card, but it was a little bit confusing on like, okay, when's my renewal? You know, like it says this, but this, and then COVID extended things and it got really confusing. So this pretty much just kind of makes it easier for us. Um, it's going to be cheaper. You know, you don't have to see the doctor in person as much. Um, you know, and I know it costs and some providers actually, you know, accept insurance when it comes to it because you're not getting cannabis, you're getting a doctor visit. Um, so that's literally the only thing that passed. And I will say that it was our fault that nothing else changed in the industry. And it was because no one got together to really work on a bill and no one got together as a group and really figured out what we need and what we wanted and told the legislators. And they told us that they told us it was our fault. And you know, what? I will take that. I will take that L. Because now we got to wait two years for the next time for us to even get a change. Because next year is a 30-day session, and normally they just do the budget on a 30-day session. And, you know, some bills get passed, but something like this has a really hard time getting passed. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, yeah, you know, like I said, um, you know, our advocacy group has, to me, that they're not proactive as much as they used to be. Yeah. Um, I know we've lost some, some people in these advocacy groups, but. You know, we got to step up again. You know, COVID, you know, restrictions kind of have decreased some of those advocacy groups here in New Mexico. But yeah. we need to be, you know, we need to be heard more, you know, and and get out there and speak to our, our legislators, yeah. legislators, you know. And if you're a business and you have an idea of something, the way that something should go, contact the CCD, contact your legislators. If it's a legislative session, Get with one of your legislators. Get with one of your city representatives that's in um, the state um, state house, and you can get with them, and they can start helping you draft a bill. And you can draft a bill with them alongside it. I've done it before, and you guys will be able to have a more personable bill versus one where they're just kind of guessing and throwing stuff out there. And you know, it was just lacking support in the legis the whole legislature, you know. And if we didn't have, if we don't get that support, it doesn't pass, and we just saw that. So this is our fault, 100%, that nothing changed. We can only blame ourselves. So let's learn from this, pick ourselves back up, and in the next 60-day session, let's all work together for a bill that's going to be better for the industry and not just for individuals. We all get it that there's going to be those entities out there that are in it for whatever. But if we go even just as micros, you know, micro businesses, even if you guys just get together, you'll get those 2,000 plants. 
and you guys really need to work together. And I get it. A lot of us are still, you know, getting up and going, but this was an important thing. And you guys could have had 2000 plants if you would have just got off your ass and, you know, wrote an email or called or showed up to something. And I understand some of you do, don't get me wrong. I see you, but a good majority don't. And that's the reason why we are where we are. We fought really hard when we're in the advocacy groups and everything to get medical changed and to get rec passed the way it was. Um, and once I stepped down and, you know, with that um, organization dissolved, those efforts kind of slowed down into almost to a crawl and to almost to a stop. Um, there are some advocacy groups out there that are, you know, to this day kind of doing things, but it's nothing like it was now. And I'm not saying it's nothing like it was because the advocacy groups aren't there and they're not the way they were. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I mean is this is a total different industry now. We're not medical anymore. We're the whole world can come here and use cannabis if they want. So now we have many more people that are in the industry. We have many more players in the industry. So we have many more voices. And so what needs to happen is these voices need to come together as business owners or whatever. And we all need to come together and talk and work together because if not, we're going to be stuck with these crappy laws and we're not going to be this poster child for cannabis legalization like we are, are right now. I mean, I talk to people throughout the nation um, from different markets and, you know, they have been talking about New Mexico. New Mexico is one of the places that they, they, you know, talk about a lot. And today I was just on a club in a clubhouse room and they were talking about the importance of medical cannabis being tax-free and medical cannabis being paid for by insurance. Well, guess who has um, tax-free cannabis already? We do. And guess who already has a lawsuit within the state to get insurance companies to pay for cannabis? We do. Um, Duke Rodriguez of Ultra Health is one of the people that's a part of it, but it's something that could change for the better for not just the program, but the nation. We tend to do that in New Mexico. We start something and then other states see it and then they adapt it and do it a little bit better sometimes. And then we don't get any, any props for it. You know, we just get kind of left. And when I tell people, I'm like, yeah, we were the first for that. They can kind of look at me like, what? I'm like, yeah, Microsoft started in New Mexico and then it moved to Washington, you know, things like that. So this is a message to you guys. And this is a pretty much a call for you guys to get off your asses and do something. Um, call to the troops, start, start speaking up, say something, because if not, these laws aren't going to change and we're going to be stuck with this. Um, I talked a little bit too long about that, but it was just something that kind of irked me a little bit because in the industry, we like to bitch, but not do anything. And this is what happens when, when we don't do anything. So, um, I know it was a little bit of an ass chew, but you know, I, I took a little bit of an L on that one too. So it's for all of us. Um, moving on, uh, dad, do you have anything for that? Uh, no, there, there's one thing I want to add though. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was with at what they call town halls. The Veterans Administration has been putting on town halls throughout the state of New Mexico. In fact, there was one, I can't remember today. Um, but go on the website, you know, New Mexico Veterans Administration, and look for these town halls. I know, I, I think, you know, we learned a lot. My wife and I learned a lot from these town hall meetings. Uh, we asked a lot of questions. Uh, we saw a lot of veterans, especially older veterans, and this one took place at the Indian Mountain God. So we saw a lot of Native American veterans who had some questions about some of those things. So get involved, you know, get to one of these town hall meetings. I know the El Paso VA has one monthly that we get phone calls, robocalls calls from on, on Thursdays at five o'clock. You know, it's once a month. It used to be every other, it used to be once a week, and then it was every other week, and now it's once a month. But you know, get involved and listen to these. You can even go online on, on uh, Facebook and you know they televise it live you know yeah. i was there and i asked some questions for an individual a friend of ours you know um who's stuck in that in that uh, gray area of trying to receive some uh, his benefits for the va and hopefully with you know the question i asked and 
the information I received, you know, he's going to be able to help this gentleman. This gentleman's going to be able to help him out. You know, he's the actually the person who's in charge of the uh, New, New Mexico um, VA Veterans Administration. And he spoke to us, and uh, you know, I was able to file some disabilities there at that at that meeting there. So. Anytime you see any of these town halls or anytime you see any of these groups that I know Anthony in New Mexico had one two weeks ago also, that was helping people fill out paperwork to, uh, for the disabilities. Yeah. So get involved, you know, yeah. get, look online, take some time. And like I said, if I find some more information, I'll, I'll pass it on to the chat and, you know, we'll keep you more informed about town halls. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll disperse it to you guys. Yeah. Town halls and being involved in your local government is more important. Local government elections and local government anything is more important than any other government because that directly affects you. State, yeah, it does. Federal, oh, okay. But local governments, like my local government, they ban plastic bags. So now we can't use plastic bags within the city. And that's not even a state law. That's just a city ordinance. So your city directly affects you. And if you can get in with your city and talk to them and get them to understand with your city council, you're going to, you're going to be better off. And you know, it's, it, it works all the time. You know, I do it with myself. I go and I talk to my city representatives because that's what they're there for. So I'm uh, moving on. Um, we're going to have our first high times cannabis cup ever here in New Mexico coming up this year. However, it's going to be an online only event. So the only in-person stuff is going to be, you pick up the judge pack, um, and then you drop your half pound, um, samples off. Yeah. Half a pound samples off in Roswell, New Mexico. So not only do you have to drive there, you got to go to Eastern New Mexico to drop your product off, which is out of the way for pretty much everybody. And um, you don't even get the benefit of having a whole event for people to see you win and get a trophy. It's going to be an online thing. So there's a lot of people in the New Mexico industry that is very skeptical about this. And, you know, there's a lot of memes going on, including myself making a few um, because it's, it's seen as a joke. And to be honest, you know, we're tired of being a joke in New Mexico. And, you know, we're serious. And this is us letting you guys know that we see this as a joke and we're probably going to laugh at it. Um, are there going to be people that are going to probably enter? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's High Times. It's the Cannabis Cup. As you guys know, though, or if you do or don't, High Times was actually bought out a couple of years ago. And um, it's not the same company as it once was before. And to be honest, magazines are kind of dying out as is physical magazines um, due to the Internet. That's been something that's been going on for a long time. So. This, I think, is just something for them to kind of gain more revenue um, for an industry that's, you know, struggling. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of a slap in the face to us because, you know, we're not a joke. This is almost like a joke to us. So if you're going to do this, go ahead. You know, you can go to the High Times website, you know, find all the information. If not, you know, by all means, just don't do anything then. Um, if you want to make jokes, make jokes, because to be honest, it's a little bit funny. Um, you know, COVID's over. There's really no reason to have these online things like this anymore. Um, so that, that's why I kind of see it as a funny thing. I mean, do you have anything on that? I mean, you remember high times from back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, the cannabis industry, we used to call the, we used to smoke the leaf. So it's way different than it was yeah. you know, 30 some 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally different. So, um, but that's that. There's not much to talk about that guys. You know, I just wanted to, you know, formulate, you know, what's going on and what kind of event it actually is because some people are thinking that it's an in-person event like they used to be, but looks like they're kind of changing paths and going towards these digital things. And I'm not a big fan of it, you know, especially for something like this. Um, there's a time and place for everything. And this one isn't moving on to the next thing that we have. There's actually an issue with um, illegal grows in not just the country, but here in New Mexico, it looks like some Chinese investments um, are kind of creeping in. And this is an issue in Oklahoma um, that is seen on a large scale. 
So it looks like out of the illegal licenses that are were found in Oklahoma, about 75% of those were of Chinese, uh, were linked to China and the government of China. So that's actually really alarming because they're making money off of our industry and um, hand over fist because it's tax-free and it's illegal. They have so many like illegal Chinese grows that get popped in Oklahoma that everybody knows. Like, I think I was by one, you know, when I was visiting there, like that's all common there. They're everywhere. And, you know, I think there was 2000 farms that they said out of the 8,000 farms that were illegal that are, have a Chinese connection. And that's actually kind of alarming. And here in New Mexico, we're no different. So it looks like a, a 2020 searchlight New Mexico investigation found Chinese workers traveling to illegal grows in New Mexico from Los Angeles after seeing Mandarin language ads run on WeChat. So it looks like they had an Intel thing going on and they figured out that, you know, they're coming in, which, you know, we did see this in the industry. I mean, I've heard from a few people that, yeah, you know, there's some Chinese guys moving in and we knew this is going to be the case. Um, but the fact that it's now being talked about tells us that it's a bigger issue than what we thought it was. Now, Oklahoma kind of, sparked it for me and i already knew it was happening but at the level it was i didn't know it was that bad i mean what do you, what do you think kind of negativity this could really well this is something i i, I just learned you know i i didn't know that you know um we got to be more diligent about you know looking into foreign investments here in new mexico you know yeah. we got to go local and we have to support our, our people involved in new mexico who are new mexicans yeah so you know that's something i learned i thank you you know for passing that on some good information uh, for us to be aware of. Yeah. And if you guys want to look at the articles from Politico, um, it's titled The Growing Chinese Investment in Illegal American Weed. Um, if you guys want to find it, I think it came out fairly recently. I heard about the article today. Um, I was actually Googling and, you know, looking stuff and this, this article popped up and it, you know, just came out fairly recently. So if you guys want to give that a read, go ahead and give it a read. That's where I got all the information from this. This isn't something that I just pulled out of my ass. Um, so yeah, it is an issue. Um, we should be looking at it. Uh, everybody's too worried about the southern border that they're not worried about the airplanes coming in that are bringing in you know illegal immigrants from other countries that aren't brown. So moving on, um, the last thing I'm going to talk about is the CCD um, is actually losing their head of the CCD. Um, Andrew Vallejos is stepping down as the director of CCD, and it looks like Linda Trujillo will be the interim director while we're working on another one. I don't know how long she's going to be the director, and I believe she was when we first started this, um, but. Um, thank you, Andrew, for your service um, under your um, uh, supervision. You know, I guess the the division, everything uh, improved and was working good. So, I mean, I guess it was a a good thing that he was there, and it's sad to see him leave. So, thank you for your service and everything. And I mean, do you have anything for that? I mean, it's, well, changes like that happen all the time. Oh yeah, you know, there's always going to be new blood going on, especially when there's you know administrations out there. People see their viewpoints, and then the viewpoints are taken, and so in time to move on and so yeah. you know he he has did some good things for us and we thank you for your service uh andrew and as used in the ba term thank you for your service <laughs> <laughs> all right and, and one more thing um before i uh, go guys you know i just wanted to to throw this out there um as you guys know if you're a medical cannabis patient here in new mexico your cards are all digital now and you have to log into the to the website to look at your card or save it in a photo and worry about losing it i called the the doh today and uh, DOH, CCD, you know, they all kind of work together. But the DOH is actually in charge of the cards still. And I called them and I let them, you know, gave them a suggestion. I said, this isn't a question. I just want to give you guys a suggestion. Um, could you please make the digital cannabis cards available on Apple Pay, Google Pay, and Samsung Pay, you know, all the digital pay um, apps that we have. So that way we can just access them. I mean, I can do it with debit cards. I can do it with, 
driver's licenses, depending on what state you're in. You can do it with uh, movie tickets. You can do it with event tickets. I've done it for concerts. Um, anytime I get something from Ticketmaster, I just put it on there and I can scan and go in. So it should be no different for us here in New Mexico. And it'd be something easy for them to implement. And I kind of feel that they're going that direction anyway, that they might as well implement. And also, this will save a lot of time at the shops because instead of going through your photos, and of course, older people have a harder time using technology, um, they can just use that, pull it up, touch it, and then they're able to show you their card. Um, if you guys could call the DOH and maybe give a similar or same suggestion, I would really appreciate it. This would only help the medical cannabis program. This has nothing to do with the rec. If you are a rec user and you want to help us out and you're a good person, by all means, please do it. Um, you know, we're, we're the ones who are the reason why we have a rec program in the first place. So if you guys could help us out, just improve this program, that'd be great. So that's all I have. Dad, you got anything before we go? No. Well, we thank you for your time and, uh, appreciate it, son. Yeah. Dad, I really appreciate you coming on the show and everything and, um, it was a hard episode, but, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, a lot of people didn't know about and, you know, even myself. So, um, if you guys have any questions or anything, like my dad said, um, we'll get the information for you guys and we'll put it in the description for you. <coughs> I'll be back next week for another episode of Ask Chad Grassy Logic. I'll see you guys next time. All right.